On episode 63 of DevTalk, I speak to Alan Ritchie about Shiny. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and today's guest is Alan Ritchie. Alan is a software developer from Toronto, Canada, and you might know him from his open source projects such as Shiny, and I'm really happy to have him on the show today. Hello, Alan. Hi, Kerry. Thanks for having me. I, I reached out to you because you had some exciting news uh, in in the Shiny space. Uh, could you, uh, we haven't talked about Shiny, I think at all in the, on this podcast, and maybe you could, you could ha- say a few words about what it is and, and what it's for or who, sure. who it's for. Um, so this is Shiny 2.0. Um, I just released. Um, it is probably close to eight or nine months worth of effort. Um, Shiny as a whole is was my idea a few years ago to, to kind of merge all of the plugin uh, scene. So if you've used a lot of Xamarin plugins, they're quite fragmented. You get mm-hmm. like little bits of functionality, um, but it's still hard to deal with things like background and dependency injection. And I, I, I still kept seeing the same background failures um, happen uh, generally because I, I found that they just weren't well formed for cross-platform. Um, so I kind of set out on a mission very similar to what Essentials was doing, but a little bit more uh, focused towards enterprise and dependency injection and testability um, and all that great stuff uh, that comes with the enterprise programming. And I also needed a good way of logging uh, and bringing a good logging framework because a lot of people don't understand that you're not going to get a console right uh, or a debug log um, yeah. when you're doing stuff in the background, right? Um, so I kept seeing these failures and, and, I, and I do a lot of consulting and I kept seeing the same problems over and over and over again. And I just, I needed a, a better way of doing this and, and making sure that, that things worked consistently on all the platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started with Bluetooth um, and GPS, and then it kind of bled out into geofencing and, and background jobs. Uh, that's a common one. I know a lot of people uh, want to run stuff in the background and they don't really understand why can't I do that? And um, so that, that was another one of those tasks that we set out is, is to be able to do all of this stuff in a really cool and easy way, um, cross-platform because it, it should be pretty consistent cross-platform. Yeah. Maybe we should, um, I, I, I mean, we know all the history of, uh, of Xamarin plugins, but what is a plugin? Why do we have plugins in Xamarin? Um, basically that the idea of the plugin was to have like a little cross platform piece of technology. So for instance, notifications, that's, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. People just want to be able to say, you know, send a notification, a local notification. Here's the title. Here's the body. Bing. Right. Yep. So it, it was, it was pretty easy. And we started with easy local notification plugins, but then uh, as apps grew, people wanted scheduling and, and I can't even think of all the things, images, um, then they wanted the images to come out of resources. And so plugins kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And you started to get a lot of, you know, cross chatter on what these plugins do. And the reach became a lot further and further as things got bigger and, and Xamarin got more popular. Um, and we, we used to have like these these different layers. There's the the UI layer, which traditionally was like you, you'd... When you used to develop Xamarin apps, it was like you you write your UI for Android and you write it for iOS, maybe for Windows. And then there was this layer in between where you could share all your code, maybe like business logic. And to me, the plugins are somewhere underneath. They're typically not something that has a UI component and uh, they, they, but they, 
reach out to the, the platform dependent APIs or the, the, the vendor APIs, and they, they let you do functionality you would otherwise have to write for each platform. Correct. Okay. Are all the plugins without UI or are there some exceptions? Um, I, I've done the kind of the first plugin I did was something called user dialogues. Uh, I don't even know how old that is. Six, mm -hmm. six years old now, seven maybe. <laughs> and that was, I don't want to call it too much UI because it was, is really piggybacking on uh, the OS UI that was going to be presented. Yeah. Um, but you could, it was just a nice, easy way of throwing an alert in somebody's face or a confirmation or, mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. Um, I know a lot of people are calling kind of the Xamarin forms UI stuff plugins. I think they're more views or control libraries, but mm -hmm. you know, the term is, the term is kind of open-ended. I guess it depends on what you're, what you're doing. So you're, you're part of the quest to write as much reusable code as possible to, to, so the, for the UI layer, we have the solution of, of you just mentioned Xamarin forms and there are a couple of other solutions out there. And for what's underneath, uh, that's what where the plugins came in. And uh, yeah, everybody started developing their own plugins. And as you already mentioned, Microsoft also did an effort to consolidate plugins that were out there into one big package. Yeah. Yep. Which is called Xamarin Essentials, or, or my, no, is it still called Xamarin Essentials? Yeah, I think they're going to rename it, but it, yeah. for now, we're just calling it Essentials, and that seems <laughs> to be what everybody knows it as. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, is there an overlap between Shiny and Essentials? Um, there is some. Uh, definitely with 1.0, there was a lot more. Uh, mm -hmm. With 2.0, I kind of wanted to sidetrack a little bit and let them have. I mean, they're really good at doing the essential things like sending emails and yeah. preferences and the whole nine yards. Um, Shiny still needed stuff like preferences underneath the hood and and all that jazz. And I still use Power because I track stuff for like can the jobs run. And so there is that under there is a lot of overlap underneath, but you don't really see it as much anymore. Um, okay. As of 2.0, you don't really see it as much. There's still some things. Um, I, I know the essentials team didn't want to do stuff kind of how I do settings is I, I bind to like an object with a key value store. Um, so it's, it's almost like view models for settings. Um, mm -hmm. So shiny does that. I know they didn't want it because that was a little bit of complexity for them. They wanted a very, very straightforward. This is secure storage. This is preferences. This is, I don't know. I think they have one other. Um, whereas I, I wanted to kind of make that a little bit more abstract. Mm -hmm. uh, and I still wanted to keep that model because I had settings uh, again, six, seven years ago, long before essentials was even a, was even a term yeah. in the plugin place. So I just wanted to keep that going because, you know, just because Microsoft came out with theirs, I think sometimes they cover the bare bone essentials and I wanted a little bit more, a um, little bit more oomph, so to speak. Yeah. And they made the decision that I know there was some discussion about this of not creating interfaces for their plugins. And this creates some issues if you want to mock that functionality uh, at in your tests? Does Shiny use interfaces? Shiny uses a lot of interfaces and a lot of DI um, under the hood. Mm -hmm. the, the point of it is, is that you really don't have to see it as much. Um, and, you know, you, there's ways to generate static classes now with 2.0 if you still like the static model. Um, but generally, Shiny for everything uses interfaces just because I believe in the testable world. Um, I've written Xamarin apps that work with like 10 developers and, and you really need that, mm. um, abstraction layer 
when you've got that many people pushing code through and through and you have testing requirements. So it, it was really aimed more towards the enterprise and these big apps. Um, Shiny isn't aimed towards your little hello worlds or or just clicking a button, right? It, yep. it's, it's meant for the big monsters with big teams um, because that's generally where I'm doing most of my work. Okay, so does it play well with other um, like libraries out there? I, I know, for example, there are like these MVVM libraries that uh, some are more enterprisey than others. Is, is that something you're integrating with or is it independent of that? No, uh, Shiny does run independent first and foremost, um, but because the dependency injection layer is there, um, it does play really nice with um, a lot of the the frameworks out there. Mm -hmm. um, Dan Siegel's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's from Prism. Yeah. Um, he's constantly, him and I are constantly working out things to get Prism nicely integrated. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big RX fan. Uh, if you use Shiny uh, and you know what reactive extensions are, Sorry, I know a lot of people don't like them, but I I, I will die on that hill with them. Mm -hmm. um, I like them too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've I've been using it for years. I won't ever give it up anymore. Um, so it it obviously works well with stuff like Reactive UI. But there is there is a good integration framework there that's coming uh, that'll make it even easier uh, between Prism, RX UI, and and Shiny. Mm -hmm. um, I am going to start working with MVVM Cross hopefully in the near future and get some stuff there. Um, other than that, I. It, you know, it's it's DI, so you can pretty much go wherever you need to be. Um, I know Maui is looking at, they're going to be exclusively dependency injection uh, style like ASP.NET Core. Mm -hmm. um, and I've already started work to to integrate with Maui um, so that we're just kind of shimmed all in there nicely and, and Shiny works out of the box. with It's coming. Nice. Maui's still a work in progress. It's 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 very work in progress still. Yeah. Should we have a look at the the features that Shiny has or the the plugins that it encompasses? Sure. So I'm looking through the list now, um, or or maybe let's look at the the new release, um, Code Generator. This is not something I'm expecting for for plugins, or is this generator for? Uh, or could you explain what it does? Sure. So with Shiny and even Essentials, um, if you've used Essentials. There's a lot of that that boilerplate code that ends up in your um, your iOS app delegates, or if you've used Android, everybody knows how fat that main activity can get. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that Shiny also had an additional requirement for things like Android. Um, Android needs an application. A lot of people are just used to the main activity, but when you're working in the background, um, you know your your code may never start the main activity. Mm -hmm. So Shiny needed to generate or, or have a main activity so that it could get all of its uh, dependencies going for things like broadcast receivers and and Android services and such. Okay. And what was happening was that a lot of people just either didn't read blogs or docs, or they would often end up missing these plug points that were required um, for Shiny to run. And even Essentials, if if you look at a lot of their issues, a good chunk of the time it's just it's a hook missing in in the app delegate or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of my a lot of my time was spent literally. Issue, I, I would say for the first few months, issue after issue was people missing these hooks. Documented or not, they were going to miss it. Um, so with 2.0, the, the actual amount of girth was increasing uh, in terms of hooks. So what I wanted to do was with source generators coming, um, that was new to .NET 5. It's not exclusive to .NET 5, but it, it came with .NET, uh, with source generators. And that was a really good way of just installing a NuGet and having it build all of this stuff for you magically. Mm-hmm. 
if you had an app delegate, I could pick it up. I could say, okay, you're missing this, 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 and this. I'm going to generate it for you. Um, if you've got this method already, I'm going to warn you, you know, you better, you better put in the shiny hook or things aren't going to work well for you. So it really kind of gave me a plug point to start keeping my sanity for one, uh, in terms of support, but it also kind of made the process a little bit nicer because I noticed a lot of people that get into the Xamarin world don't necessarily know, um, the mobile life cycle. Um, and it's really necessary when you, when you're working with a lot of this stuff. So the code generator uh, or the source generator stuff is, is basically, um, you shouldn't see it. It just kind of does the work and plug stuff in for you. And if yep. it notices you're doing something or you're missing something, it's going to make you very well aware, Hey, you need to do this, uh, because you guys are doing some custom things. So it was really to hopefully help with that boilerplate generation. Um, I'm not going to say it cuts down on documentation. It's kind of just another nice way of doing things. Um, it also helped me a little bit because um, I do tend to plug in a lot of the third-party libraries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who's done Xamarin is used to the plugin.init, the, the yeah. infamous calls that come with that. Um, so I started plugging in a lot of stuff like if you use Microsoft authentication libraries, um, if you still use user dialogues, um, RG plugins is another great one. Um, I basically call the inits. I generate all the inits for them as well. Hmm. Um, so the more I can get rid of in boilerplate, the better off I felt. That's basically what I did with the code generate. Just remove well, I, all the boilerplate. I, I didn't realize that that's available on mono at all. So um, it, inter- interesting that you're using this this really new feature. If if you if you're doing something wrong, does it throw throw an exception at, at build time or at yep. runtime? Okay. Um, it it depends. So some things are just considered a warning. So mm-hmm. for instance, if you've got an app delegate with on finished launching, um, if that method's already there. Um, the source generator will pick that up. It'll tell you, hey, we see you've got this method. We can't override it. We can't generate it for you. Um, you need to put in this call to Shiny. Yeah. And then any methods that you have missed, it's just going to go ahead and plug them in for you um, so that you don't have to worry about it. And yeah. I also, like I said, I look for the third party um, and I start plugging in Essentials and all those other great third party libraries at the same time. And this is new for, for version two? Correct. Okay. So you, I'm... I'm... Uh, wondering if if you've had feedback on on that feature, if people like it or if they think you're messing with their code. <laughs> um, it's it's still relatively new. Um, it's been blogged about, and I'm not really sure if people understand the magic yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm using it personally. It does help a little bit. Um, certainly, the debugging experience was pretty rough for the first little while as I was learning source generators. But yeah, I think in the end, it's going to help a lot of people. Um, Hopefully we don't go crazy with source generators because they can slow down your build time. But um, I think I think this is going to help. And I know in in Maui, I've worked with Jonathan Dick quite a bit. Um, he's kind of doing very similar methods for Maui, uh, generating the app delegate and, and the Android activities and all that junk. Do you do things like uh, raise property change generation or is that something for another library? No, that's that's I try to stay out of the MVVM stuff. Okay. Um, because it, like MVVM Cross and RxUI and, and Prism, yeah. they all have that covered. I, di- I didn't want to tread where there's very sufficient mature libraries. Right, yeah. Um, I wanted to go where there isn't. Okay. <laughs> so, and you you mentioned Bluetooth already. So this is probably just BLE? Yes. Um, okay. Mainly because of iOS. Uh, I am looking at a Bluetooth library at some point, um, but really BLE is becoming faster and faster. 
Um, I wish people would stop writing large amounts of data in it right now, um, <laughs> but it, it's 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 going to get faster and it's going to be like classic Bluetooth soon yeah. uh, in terms of speed. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, it is fairly efficient and it, it does what it needs to do. Okay. I, I know there's a, another plugin out there uh, by one of my coworkers, Sven Michael Stübe, who was on the podcast already. Uh, he uh, was at one point at least the, the maintainer for that. Is is there is that a competing plugin or do they do different things? Um, I think they focused more on asynchronous-based uh, tasks, whereas mm -hmm. I Bluetooth for me is very RX-based. Um, yeah. Extremely RX-based, like the Bluetooth plugin. If you don't know RX, you really don't want to step into it. Okay. Uh, right away. Um, I also handle a lot of the background things, which I'm, I don't think the, the BLE plugin, uh, from Sven did that. I haven't checked it in a number of years. I kind of just walked the line myself at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not sure if they covered that task or not, but it, it's, it's a big one. Uh, the the yeah. BLE backgrounding was a very difficult, uh, implementation. It's still ongoing. I still find little things here and there. Yeah. Is that like the, the largest of the plugins by by lines of code or? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Generally when I'm giving these talks, people do want to hear about BLE and I'm like, well, we could fill three or four hours just talking about BLE. <laughs> um, so I, I generally tend to say it does all these great things. Here's what's new to 2.0. And, and yeah. if we want to talk about BLE, let's, let's have a, let's have a separate talk for that one. Okay. And I see here beacons. Um, so that's also kind of BLE. Yep. Um, so, so I had the Beacon plugin years ago. Again, going, I, I think I've written like every plugin imaginable at this point. Um, so I, I had a, a project that was using Estimo Beacons several years ago. Yeah. Um, and I found they were amazing, uh, but it was really dependent on Estimo updating their SDKs and, and staying, you know, relatively up to date. And then I was also dependent on Xamarin uh, when they took over the bindings for the Estimo packages to, to keep them up to date. Both of them let me down in that that regard. <laughs> um, so I decided to write it pure pure uh, Bluetooth plugin uh, for Android that was 100% C sharp mm -hmm. um, to scan for these beacons and and do the stuff. If if you're familiar with iBeacons, um, there's ranging and then there's monitoring. So ranging is the idea of looking for individual beacons uh, in the mm -hmm. foreground, and monitoring is kind of more like a filtering process. Find me any beacons in in this grouping. Um, and that didn't exist. There, there really wasn't good backgrounding experience for uh, monitoring in the Xamarin world. And that was something I really desperately needed for my projects. Okay. Um, so, I, so I wrote it exclusively, almost 100% in C Sharp, uh, just using the BLE library that I have in Shiny. Mm -hmm. oh, nice. And so that even if your app is backgrounded, it will trigger and give you an option to, to launch your app or notify the user? Yep. Um, I would, the notifications is a little bit separate. Um, that's something if you want to do it, some mm -hmm. people might use it for tracking or, or, or push notification or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But there's certainly a hook there to say this beacon region just popped. Uh, you're entering it or you're leaving it, do something. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to send a notification, which you're right is probably usually the big guy. Um, you can. Yeah. Well, notifications is the next thing on the list here. Um, so is that internal notifications, push notifications? What, what do you notify? So there's there's two parts. Um, it's local notifications is the Shiny notifications package. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just for your usual um, send, title, text, image, 
it even has actions. So if you're, if you want to say like, yes or no, or, or whatever yeah. the case may be, um, priority scheduling, that's all built in it. Pretty much everything you can do with a local notification is built into, to mm-hmm. shiny now. Um, and the reason is I, a lot of people go, well, what does that have to do with backgrounding? Um, I found that I was almost always needing notifications, especially with all the, the stuff I was working with, like GPS and geofencing and, yeah. and BLE, you almost always needed a local notification. Um, so I just, I made it and I had an, I had a plugin for that as well for a while. Um, and I just decided to bring it forward. Uh, one of the things was that, that a lot of people say, well, notifications, I only want to use notifications with shiny. And I say, you're probably not really getting the benefit of shiny at that point because it's pretty hefty just for notifications. Mm-hmm. Um, but shiny really kind of provides all of the infrastructure for local notifications and scheduling and all that stuff to work. Because on Android, there's really not any infrastructure to keep scheduling in place and and to deliver all the rich events that you get on iOS. So mm-hmm. um, that's why Shiny has such a big notification library. Okay. The next thing on the list was speech recognition. Oh, speech recognition. That's, uh, I want to say that's more of a toy. Uh, it's okay. just one of the plugins I brought forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it does a lot of the local, no- the, the, the OS um, speech recognition stuff or speech to text. Um it works. It does what it needs to do. Uh, it's not very popular. I don't use it as much anymore because obviously the assistant world has taken over. Yeah. Uh, so when we talk about stuff like Google, um, Google and and um, Siri, uh, hopefully that doesn't bing my watch. Um, <laughs> it might bing those, somebody else's. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's generally those things have taken over. So I, I find the speech to text isn't quite as needed anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kept it going. Uh, the APIs don't change much there. Um, it got a patch the other day. I think you're probably looking at the the feature or the the preview uh, release notes. Right, right. Yeah. From today, May 10th, the day of recording. Yeah, it's just that's a that's a small little preview patch uh, mm-hmm. going on right now. Um, so speech recognition. Somebody made a feature request for it, and I, I said, you know, that's a pretty easy uh, easy thing to provide. So why not? Yeah. And the last thing on this list. This is just the the. The new features here. So there's a different separate list, but the last thing on this list is NFC. Yep. Um, there was just a basic patch around there, but I, I do have an NFC library. I think there's another plugin out there that's a little more feature rich on NFC right now. Mm-hmm. I basically decided to do NFC because I needed it for a project and I wasn't sure what the status of the plugin industry around that was at that point. So I, so I did it. It was a pretty straightforward API. Um, NFC isn't backgrounded on... Uh, Again, iOS. iOS doesn't like NFC backgrounding. Okay. Um, but it was a fairly simple API to, to implement. So Shiny has NFC as well. Nice. Uh, and I, from from this other list, so location uh, is also something you're providing? Yes. Location is kind of a, a, a big one. I'd say that's one of the the, the, the next in line after BLE. Yeah. Um, location has the real-time GPS, uh, which, has begot, which has become more and more difficult as Android uh, continues to change versions. Um, Android 10 was a big release and they really kind of screwed up real-time tracking. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I had to switch to foreground servicing and, and really provide a good real-time experience for GPS in the background. Um, so that was part of Shiny 2. Um, Shiny 2 is deliverable. Yep. Um, I also have geofencing in there. Um, that's another big one if you're if you're just looking to kind of trap a user in a fence. Um, and it that one also evolved a little bit too, because it, a lot of people actually in Europe, funny enough, is where most of these requests come from. Um, 
that they, they don't have uh, Google Play services on the phones, huh. um, which I, I, in the North American market, it's unheard of, right? I, everything is, the Google Play services is there. Mm-hmm. Um, the API just works. So I, I was getting a lot of bugs um, that, that, that it just wasn't working. And I was using Google Play services. Um, so one of the big deliverables for this one was just be basically having a geofencing work, whether you had Google Play services or not. Um, so it falls back to a GPS provider now. Uh, and everything just works. Um, and it also keeps working. Like I said, real time was the big deliverable um, because of Android foreground service. Yeah. Okay. And the other th- other thing is sensors. So what kind of sensors can you uh, t- um, tap into here? Um, basically, that, that was a, a project I had a few years ago. And again, it was a, an RX-based thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I pretty nice. much went crazy. And I said, look, I can pretty much get every sensor that's available on the phone in a nice RX fashion. So accelerometers, uh, gyroscope, holy cow, I can't even remember all of them. Uh, it's it's just a library I've had for quite a few years and I brought it forward. I think all of the the sensors that I have for the most part are now in Essentials as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I think I cover a couple ones that they didn't want to go into like temperature and this temperature is really only on Android, um, but they're all there. I basically looked at every the, the, the platforms I support and I, and I got every sensor I could in there. Nice. But again, they're all RX based. So if you don't like RX, you're probably not going to like working with the shiny uh, sensors like, but if you look at like the intro slide to RX, the sensors are right there on that first slide. This, this is, uh, this is where it shines. <laughs> it's, it's definitely true. I, I mean, people don't realize how fast some of these things like Bluetooth and, and, um, and sensors can ping your device. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely cases for where RX is really going to shine. Um, I wish people would use it more and, and really take the time to get to realize that it's not complexity. It's, it's powerful with what you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, so from this list, what, what am I missing? Um, it- A big deliverable for Shiny 2 was actually the push. Uh, I'll call it push notifications, but I generally just t- tend to call it push. Mm-hmm. Um, the big deliverable there, um, and this again came from my, uh, well, I call him my second wife, Dan. Um, <laughs> he, he, he was pushing me for a while. He's like app center really kind of shot me in the foot. They don't want to, they're not going to keep their push notification provider going. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, you've probably been in this industry Well, you've been in, in the Xamarin world as long as I have, um, how many push providers have you seen come and go, um, <laughs> yeah. just over the last five years? Um, and I kept seeing people really getting knee deep in these providers. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they go under, how did you get them out? Yeah. Um, and people couldn't find a good way to abstract push notifications. So like I said, Dan was bugging me the one day and I said, I, I think I can do this pretty easily um, because pretty much all the push providers work the same way under the hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're using iOS or Google. Google's got Firebase. iOS just keeps working the same uh, angle. Um, so I came up with a general purpose abstraction. Um, it supports native. And then I was able to plug in things like um, Azure notification hubs, um, Firebase for iOS as well. So you can have Firebase for iOS or Android. Um, nice. I had a, I have a, a customer that's on one signal. Um, so I was able to plug into that as well. And now I've got somebody else that's interested in AWS. Mm-hmm. So the idea there is that you can literally swap between these push notifiers or push providers in one line of code. Um, so I, I really thought that that was a powerful little little tool to have um, just because th- this is the nature of the business. You know, if Firebase changes tomorrow, 
you know, generally it's still going to work the same way underneath the hood, but I don't want to have to worry about it. And if I do have to patch something, I fix the library and then I, I, I just update everybody. Yeah. Um, that's the ideal world. And, and that was the problem I was really kind of uh, looking to solve. Yeah, we uh, one time we used our own. We we rolled our own. I think it's called Push Sharp. Um, okay. And, yep. and would that be able to work with that too, or or is there no generic version? There is the there is a generic. Um, I call it the native uh, push provider. Um, mm -hmm. So that's basically like you're doing all the lifting yourself. It doesn't care how the notification gets there. Yeah. But it it'll hook up Firebase and it'll hook up iOS. It'll give you the notification token or, or the, the trying to think of the good word that they use for it. I've lost all track track of terminology because I've reinvented it for myself. <laughs> um, it basically will give you the token uh, that you can use to send the device a notification. Okay. Um, and what you do with it, you know, whether you send it to your server or, or these third party providers is up to you, mm -hmm. um, but it will work with native or, or any of the big guys. Nice. And what else? Uh, what What did I miss? Um, no, I think we've pretty much covered a, a vast majority of it. Kind of what was released in two point Okay. And and so you said you got rid of some of the features. Uh, so is there anything left from one that didn't uh, get get chopped? There there was some stuff people were using. I had like a cache library, um, but there was a. a Somebody really, um, James Montemango released Monkey Cash, which, you know, caught a lot of popularity, mm -hmm. uh, carries a lot of weight. So I just decided, you know what? I don't need to support some of the fat anymore. Yeah. Um, so I just, I trimmed stuff like that out. Um, I used to have pure settings uh, that was in uh, Shiny. I, I still need settings. It's still there, um, but it's been vastly abstracted because now Shiny also has secure storage mm -hmm. built into it. Um, but like I said, I, I tend to put my own little twist on it so it's not too much like essentials it's it's got its own little um, object binding mechanism so you essentially end up with a view model for your secure storage or your settings or a file or whatever the case may be um, shiny's got a whole bunch of abstraction points there um, as of 2.0 to deal with that stuff but I, okay. it, it was about trimming a lot of the fat yeah okay i see there are 20 contributors on github and 800 stars uh, are, are you looking for for support here, or is this pretty much your your project? Um, I'm always looking for help. Uh, I've I've had like like I said, Dan Siegel's still very much involved in the project. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he's big on the integrations. He's been kind of the biggest voice um, for me uh, pushing this forward. Um, but I'm always looking for help. I mean, I suck at documentation. I'm working on it. I'm using something called Static. Um, for anybody that's in the .NET world, you've probably heard of it. Um, that's fantastic because I suck at design. Uh, so it's really kind of helping me plow through getting some form of documentation out there um, as I kind of work through things. Um, but I, I'm always looking for design help and for people to do documentation and, and file proper full issues, something that I can work with. Uh, <laughs> that's always that's always a great thing too. Yeah. Um, and, and I just generally improve the library as I can. Is there anything you, you've set your sights on for a future release, something that you think is missing and would really help? As I, as I kind of look forward now, I'm, I'm about to go into something called app services. So there'll be shiny app services. Hmm. Um, and what the idea is there is now that I've got all these, these cross-platform kind of device libraries, um, now I want to actually bring some business solutions to, to be used with shiny. 
Um, so I've got, uh, if, if you've ever worked with OBD, uh, I'm working on some OBD interfaces. Um, that's basically talking to your, your vehicle. So mm-hmm. you plug a little dongle into your vehicle and you can talk to them. That's actually quite a bit more complicated than people think. Um, just getting the speedometer and, and stuff off your, off your vehicle. Um, so there's stuff like that, that I'm, I'm working on. Um, there's a pretty cool trip tracker that I'm working on. So that mm-hmm. would be, um, uh, GPS plus motion activity. So are you running? Uh, how fast are you running? What points are you running? And, you know, when you stop running, we'll say, Hey, you stopped running. Uh, you know, do you want to record this trip? Uh, here's how far you went. Here's the points you went. Um, you know, it, uh, the reason I was doing that is because in Canada, you can, you can record your drives and, and use them for tax purposes. So this will record like a drive trip. Oh. Hey, you just went 20 kilometers. Um, that might've saved you 10 cents on your taxes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, so I did this library. It's a pretty slick interface uh, or, or service library for that. Um, what else am I doing? There's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm I, basically, I, there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm doing in app services uh, that's now just going to combine a lot of the shiny libraries to provide actual real world scenarios yeah. um, and business solutions. Um, so people can, you know, work with these things without having to figure out how to put them all together. Actually, there are, there's two others. The GPS tags is another thing. Beacons plus GPS. Uh, that's huh. kind of a, to work with uh, kind of like Apple AirTags. So it'll track the last place it saw your beacon. Mm-hmm. And Geo Dispatch, I think that one's going to be, that one's going to be epic for a project I'm working on. Um, basically, what will happen is for incident management, um, you'll be able to send out a push notification to your user base um, saying this is the lat long of, of the, um, the incident. And then your device will say, hey, I'm within, you know, X kilometers of that incident, send a notification to the user and ask if they can accept or reject uh, to deal with that incident. Mm-hmm. might be good for things like um, ambulance workers, yeah, things like that. And without having to constantly have, you know, 5 million people sending their, their GPS coordinates into your backend uh, and, and have their battery being drained by GPS, this will react as you get a push notification. It'll say, hey, I'm within those coordinates. Um, so I think that's going to be a pretty cool feature when I'm done with it. Um, because again, it'll be almost zero uh, effort to, to implement in your app. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, I, I really um, am itching to use your library now, but I'm, I'm stuck in a Kotlin project uh, <laughs> for a few months. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will give it a try. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, well, th- thank you so much for sharing and and for for creating this. The, the, I'm I'm really impressed by how how much you've built there. Uh, it, I mean, you're competing with uh, with Microsoft basically, and yours is uh, uh, seems to be the bigger solution or the like you said the more more enterprisey. It, it's funny that that the enterprise company <laughs> uh, doesn't have the more enterprisey. Uh, plug-in solution. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm competing with them. I let them have a lot of the essential stuff. Yeah. And I take what I need. Like I said, I don't handle emails. I don't. I don't handle a lot. Of, I do have to do permissions, but I let them do the essential stuff, and I kind sure. of take the 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 bigger the bigger stuff because I yeah. Need it. But yeah, but what I mean, this is a a multi-million or billion-dollar company, and uh, they're creating something and here's you doing this in your free time and out in the open for free uh, that's uh, i find that really impressive i appreciate it i do the best i can <laughs> well just just keep doing what you're doing thank you so much thank you for your time 
Much appreciated. This has been another episode of Dev Talk, and we'll see each other again in two weeks. Bye bye.